0: You know, I uh, I just realized, I, once again, and this has happened before, uh, this is Patty Vasquez, the host of Driving at Home. Uh, thank you for listening to WCPT. I don't feel festive, and that wonderful song, that fun song that we have that usually opens up our show just doesn't feel appropriate today as we are. Uh, and look, there are mass shootings all over the country every single day where more than four people are shot, killed, or injured. And uh, it is so hard when... Um, you're listening to the coverage, watching everything unfold, and in your brain, you're trying to think, you know, well, this is this is where we are now. It's just another day, another mass shooting, and uh, my husband and I were watching, listening to and watching some of the coverage, and wh- I think that a lot of us do this, where we think, um, how would I have gotten out of that situation? What would I do in that situation? Will I be in that situation? And for the people who have uh, been injured, have, who have lost lives today and every day where there is gun violence no one ever thinks it's going to happen to them necessarily. We, we think about it in the moment and then we, uh, we move on with our lives. Uh, maybe you have that, that eerie sinking sensation of dread when you're in a big crowd uh, once in a while. I know I do. I, I attend a lot of uh, protests and marches and rallies. And I do occasionally think, is, there, is this an opportunity for someone to take an advantage of people who are vulnerable because they're in a large crowd as happened today in Kansas City? I remember when uh, in the aftermath of the Highland Park parade, um, I was actually in the hospital with my son, Declan, who was uh, at the time um, being treated for uh, the he lost the ability to walk. And as we were watching the uh, horrifying um, aftermath uh, in Highland Park on the 4th of July of 2022, I was uh, thinking about what would we do in that situation with Declan in a wheelchair um, mm-hmm. And as my husband and I were listening uh, to one of the uh, people being interviewed, uh, he was a father of a daughter with autism, and he was talking about how she doesn't necessarily communicate the same way others do. He was talking about all the moments that led up to the terror and how they were with a group of people who... Seemed to really get his daughter that they they didn't make her make them feel like they were outsiders. They were all having a great time, and it was a wonderful sense of community. When uh, gunshots rang out, and he said he immediately picked her up and started running. I said she's sixty seven pounds, and I could run with her. And my husband said, uh, uh, "You know, you know how you know that's the dad of a special needs child. He knows exactly how much his daughter weighs." And uh, that's what we often think about because Declan would not be able to walk. Declan would not even know that he was in danger. Um, <laughs> when Declan hears uh, gunshots on TV, he thinks it's funny because of the sound, uh, because of his quality of hearing, and that comes through. And uh, like Declan cries, uh, laughs at the sound of babies crying. That's basically how his brain works. So we would have to carry him somehow with his leg braces, and he does weigh. 110 pounds and we think about because he would not be able to run he would not he just would not be able to run but not at this point he doesn't even walk and trying to uh, navigate a wheelchair through a crowd would be impossible Um, so I think about uh, the parents and the people there that were terrified running for their lives Um, we don't know that much yet I know that there was a press conference with the uh, police department and law enforcement on site in Kansas City uh, we don't know very much yet uh, about the shooters, uh, if there were more than two. Uh, all we know, as far as uh, I've heard, is that there were 15 shots, uh, one confirmed fatality, the two arrested. Uh, I know that one was, uh, at least from video footage, we're going to, you know, I shouldn't even say what I saw because I wasn't there and I'm not, and I have no access to more information that what you are all getting on the news uh, or perhaps have uh, looked into. But it is absolutely um uh, sad and tragic day once again. And I don't know, I think many people are like me. And that, I, I just, I wasn't surprised. I'm devastated once again. And I am devastated uh, when it happens here in Chicago. There was a shooting late Sunday night in Little Village. There was a shooting in Inglewood. There was a shooting in Austin. There was a shooting, uh, there's shootings here on the Northwest side. Um, it's the guns. We pay attention to these uh, bigger stories. Of course, it's the Super Bowl. And then, you know, people have to mention who might have been there, who wasn't there. When it is happening on blocks... In communities, in cities, all across the country, every single day, and it is the guns. The governor was able to run the governor of Missouri, who said that they were not going to uh, acknowledge federal laws in regards to guns. Had an entire armed detail running him through the crowd in Kansas City. <clears throat> we don't have that. He doesn't believe he doesn't believe in any restrictions. Uh, but he certainly believes in his own safety and access to have protection at levels that none of us have. I don't. It's the guns. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, it is the guns. It's the guns. It's the effing guns. Uh, I'm just so frustrated and angry and sad uh, that we've come to the point where it just it, it, it's all background noise wherever it happens, whether you know. In a grocery store, in a synagogue, in a church, at a movie theater, at a parade, in a school classroom. <clears throat> and I've said this so many times. I really, so many of us believed that more was going to be done after Sandy Hooks. Surely, certainly, most assuredly after five year olds and six year olds and seven year olds were slaughtered in their classrooms, then again in that story, there was a an, an aid for a child who had autism who lost her life using her body as a shield for him <laughs> every single day. kids on our streets there 's footage you can if you follow any of the um Twitter accounts, on social media that that you can find people who will show you the violence in Chicago that may not be amplified on our news, and I I do watch that. Uh, There was a shooting just a couple weeks ago. A car pulled up and just opened fire, and there were children on the sidewalk. It was a trauma that is being just endured by so many people in this country, whether they experience the gun violence themselves. And Joan asked this question today. Does every single person in this country have to lose someone to gun violence in order for it to matter? Every single person, because even a legislator who has been shot on a baseball diamond refuses to do more just to protect Americans. Spare me the uh, arguments about, well, they took guns away, you know, someone will still use a rock or a knife. Okay. Really? That's that's your answer, and it doesn't it doesn't strike you that the increase of violence in places like Chicago is partly, perhaps, because of the trafficking of illegal arms through states that have weaker gun laws than we do. Every time I see a, a shooting, and or there's a video, and people will respond, better get your better get your concealed con, con, concealed carry cards. Everyone should be weaponized. Everyone should have a weapon. And yet, it seems as though two unarmed people were able to take him down. And not that that can happen in any, every situation, but you are more likely to hit innocent bystanders by drawing your weapon. As it happened with, with uh, Gifford when she was shot outside of a campaign office. I am so angry um, and sad. And I know so many of you are. And... Uh, it, we, we certainly have moved past the time of it's too soon it, because give us five minutes and it'll be too soon again. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we are going to talk to um, some judges. I know that, that folks might want to call. Uh, I know that some of you are texting. Uh, I know that uh, uh, we, this is on your mind. We ha- it happens every, every single day. Uh, we are going to turn our attention to uh, some judicial races because, as I've said many times on this show, the people that we elect most likely to have an impact on our lives directly. And when it comes to days like today and again, every single day of uh, gun violence, uh, it is your local electeds that will have the most impact on your life in particular your local legislators and your judges and that's the one because it's farther down on your ballot and there's so many names and maybe you didn't look at the bar associations write-ups or you forgot that this you can we're going to talk about uh and every, every every chance we get uh through this election season to talk about the resources you can turn to and create a little sheet bring it with you, you can put it you can bring up a, a, a page with you print it out and and ahead of time, look at who who is on the bench making the decisions and ruling in cases that will affect your life every single day. Let's take a break here and I have to blow my nose, everybody. That's gross. I apologize for all the sniffling. More after this on WCPT-820 Heartland Signal.
1: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT-820.
0: Everybody, I'm a little, I'm so intimidated. There are a lot of judges in the room. I think this might well, I've been to campaign things and I don't usually go, Oh, it's just me and the judges. Hi, judges. <laughs> Let me turn you our mics on and introduce you. Uh, I am so excited to have you in today. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> Joining us today, we have Dr. Uh, we have Dr. i I'm, I'm, I've made you, I've upgraded you. You both have uh, law degrees, or doctors and, are are of law. fair. So correct. Correct. <laughs> we have with us uh, Judge Chantelle Porter. Hello. Hello. Thank you so. Much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And Judge Jennifer Barron also joins us. Hello, Judge. Nice to be here. This is so weird. (laughs) Judge, Judge Lee, is it Lee or Leah? It's Le- Leah. Leah. Mm-hmm. I, I got. It. I, I w- managed to do neither. Uh, none of the <laughs> pronunciations. Leah.
2: Just like everyone else. Leah. It's Leah. Jeez. <laughs> Princess Leah. Princess Leah. Princess, I Leah. Like <laughs> <it>. Princess <laughs> Leah. I like that. Judge Jed Yes. Is that correct? You got it. <laughs> 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 See
0: Thank that you. That should be the, the harder one. Uh, hi, judges. Uh, and I, I'm going to call you judges because it just seems appropriate because you've earned that. And so let me start. I don't know where to start. Who's uh, Who's been the judge the longest? Chantal's number one. Judge Chantal Porter.
3: (laughs) Uh, Hello. Uh, Where are you from originally, my friend? Absolutely. So I am from Hanover Park, which is northwest suburbs of Illinois. Born and raised there. Um, They have family that's got really good connections to that part of the suburbs. And now I currently live in Addison. And I'm a kindergarten mom with a six-year-old. So we were up last night doing the Valentines for the classroom. I love that. Absolutely, yes. And so so you grew so you grew up in Hammond. Hanover. Um,
0: Hanover, yes. sorry. Hanover. Not Hammond. That was that's wrong. I was an H. Um, <laughs> so you grew up in Hanover. What uh, what you know it was there a point as a is a little girl that you were like you knew what you wanted to do was this anywhere close to what you dreamt of when you were little? It was almost, it was almost
3: exactly what I dreamt of <laughs> when I was little. I, I know. I just met an architect who said no, the same thing. I come and by it honest. If I you really have the do. same answer, I'm kidding. Today. No, I was I was you a unique little precocious child. So um, in sixth grade, in my yearbook actually, I said I wanted to be an attorney that represented children. Um, and then uh, in high school, I definitely said I wanted to one day be on the Supreme Court. We're not. We're definitely not there yet. But, but so, <laughs> so I've always knew this is what I wanted to do. Was
0: this uh, like Night Court? No, you're too young for Night Court. Was this not? LA lost to uh, Law and Order.
3: Which? Which? What, what was it? Was it a, a book you read? Was I was a reader. Yes. So I was always probably, reading. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I was very influenced by people like Thurgood Marshall. You know, we grew. Up, I grew up in a household where we learned civil rights and we learned. I mean, my my household. My mom drilled this into us. So we learned about our history. We learned about things like that. And then I have a, an uncle um, who is, who's now uh, has passed on. He's transitioned. But he was in Tennessee and he was a judge. And he was one of the first African-American judges um, in that county in Tennessee. So I grew up with that. Uh, grew up with really my parents just kind of instilled in me to have a voice. And um, my mom was a teacher for 30 years. This is just what it, what they did. So um, I definitely knew that I wrote out my first appeal um, when I was <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sitting in my chambers. They've seen it. And I wrote out my first appeal to try to get out of punishment um, when I was in middle school. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Why wow. was that kid? Okay. See, so, mom, uh, you hear this, uh, environment was a big key. My mom is very, like, she still thinks I should go to law school. Let's not get into it because. <laughs> Never too late. I, I appreciate that, Judge Sensen. Um uh, don't tell her that, though. Um, that's remarkable. I, I really, uh, I was reading Lost in the Prairie. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to learn how to grow corn. I don't know what the heck. I knew how to get from the house to the barn without, in the blizzard. Anyway. That's a good skill. It is. Where,
3: so where'd you go to law school? I I went to DePaul right okay. here in Chicago. Nice, that's yes.
0: fantastic. So, so you have you ever li- where'd you go for undergrad? Uh, the Ohio State University. Okay, so you have lived somewhere else, and you're like, but that go was back to Chicago. You're like, yeah, yeah, I four years out here. in
3: college, but then other than that, I've been here. This is home. Well, fantastic. That's Judge Chantel Porter. And where are what's the 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 the, the yeah. district and what level? Absolutely. So I'm a circuit court judge, which is okay. the trial court, okay. and I have the northeast part of DuPage okay. uh, County is mine, and I sit in juvenile court. Surprise, surprise. So I am the juvenile court judge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I'm still uh, advocating for our for our families and children in DuPage. And do you have like a punch number for people that they should know what what number that's going to be? Yeah. So if you are in Sub Circuit One, um, will you? What I will say is the judges are on the back of the ballot. So please, please, please <laughs> flip, over. flip over the oh, ballot no. so you will see me. You don't even have to worry about a punch <laughs> number. You will see me on right before the referendums mm-hmm. that everybody's so excited about. Uh, so flip over the ballot and make sure you vote for the judges uh, if you're you if you're in Sub Circuit One in DuPage County, outstanding. Thank you, Judge Porter,
0: and we have uh, Judge Jennifer Barron. Uh, hello, where are you from originally? So I grew up in Washington D.C.,
4: uh, but I moved to Naperville about 25 years ago. So okay. I've been living in DuPage I'm County. Sorry, where'd you
0: grow up? Washington D.C. Okay, so you did this the other way around. <laughs> I grew up in D.C. and you end up in Naperville. How did, how did that happen? Uh, I went to college in Chicago,
4: where I met my husband, and we moved out here for his job, or okay. moved out to Naperville for his job. Which college in Chicago? I went to University of Chicago. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> mar- You're maroon. <laughs> I
0: am a maroon. I say that Absolutely. as a mar- I say that as a maroon mom. So oh, very good. It's 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 interesting to go down to, to go down to Hyde Park. It is. So did, where, when did you did you know at a young age you
4: wanted to go to law school? Well, I have two older brothers, so I grew up with a lot of arguing and a lot <laughs> of uh, striving to be heard. And uh, we had both my parents are lawyers, uh, so there was a constant debate at my house, and we were encouraged to always. Uh, uh, not just say what we wanted but why okay and so uh,
0: from a young age it just seemed like that was that was where I was headed outstanding and and uh, so what from that that path of uh, getting your law degree what did you set out to do what was the, the 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 initiative what was the first type of law you practiced so I was
4: a trial attorney mm-hmm. and I represented injured people or people who lost a loved one due to someone else's actions mm-hmm. uh, I did briefly work at a, a big law firm where I actually met uh, judge Setson Leah Setson, Setson and I worked Doesn't together work. uh, briefly. But for most of my career, I represented uh, the little guy. I tried cases. I was a trial attorney for 10 years trying cases in Chicago in front of juries. And then uh, for the 15 years, right before I, I was appointed as a judge, I was an appellate lawyer, which meant I argued in front of the appellate courts and the Illinois Supreme Court. So that's when you just review transcripts looking for mistakes judges made.
0: And, and that, like, is that something that uh, the judges like knew that you were doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, now that I I'm mean, a trial
4: court judge, I see it from the other side. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think I think trial court judges do follow when, when they've been appealed. They do follow what's happened in the appellate court and how the appellate court decides. Not because of their egos necessarily, but as trial court judges, we're striving to get it right every day. We're sure. interpreting the law and applying it to the facts. And if we get it wrong, we want to know because sometimes things are unsettled and it's up to the appellate courts or the Illinois Supreme Court to tell us, hey, this is how the law needs to be interpreted. So we do follow it closely because we want to do the, the best job we possibly can for the the people of our county
0: that's it's still it's such an, an interesting adventure and uh, and i want to i'll come back to a few things that, that you've both said uh i also want to meet uh judge leah
2: Setson. yes uh, thank you so much for joining us as well so where where are you from originally so I may be the only one who actually was born and raised and currently live in the same town, which is also Naperville. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. All
0: right. And did you have any – when did it hit you? Tell me it was in, in college because if you were a little kid and knew you were going to be a lawyer – I'm walking out of this room. I'm well, kidding. It's okay.
2: <laughs> so my dad – actually, he did go back to law school at night mm-hmm. uh, when I was a little girl. He was a college professor. So I saw him follow his dream. I don't know if that, I'm sure that influenced me. Sure. I wanted to be a lawyer from a young age. I, I wasn't as concrete as to as Porter <laughs> in terms of that path, other than I just knew I wanted to do it. Now, when I went to college, I tried everything but. Really? I thought maybe I want to be a journalist. I worked for the, I, I went to the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. So I-L-L. INI I. All right. That- <laughs> so I, I worked for the Daily Line. I, I did a variety of things. Ultimately, I was the opinions editor, so I thought maybe I wanted to go into journalism. My my First journalism professor was so negative about. Sure, I know, mm, I, but actually, it's I the dream him. crushers. I hate. I still. Well, he. Dry- so my path. It changed because sure. I thought, you know, if the professor's really not uh, hot on this area, maybe I should follow something else.
0: Does <laughs> the university know they had a journalism professor? Is like this job sucks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do, don't do what I do. This is a mess. Well, yeah, So, okay. so he did influence me. I'm oh sure he God. has no idea. But See, uh, I had yeah. a professor who convinced me not to go to
0: law school. I went to grad school for history because my professor was like,
2: "When did it?" May I ask when you graduated. Uh, I graduated undergrad in '97, and then okay. I went on to law school at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign as well, so. which I
0: heard is a, a great is a great law school. It is a great I law school. have I stayed, see, I if I just stayed, well, I'm just it all worked out. It's because okay, here we are. Know, it's fine. Not for my mom, but it's fine. <laughs> no, I know, mommy's proud. Uh, so, uh, so you studied at the University of Illinois, and uh, what kind of law did you set
2: up to do? So, I went to law school to be a prosecutor. I really, all right, <laughs> okay. which I did. I went to so trial as a prosecutor and. Juvenile. Juvenile. And, <laughs> and I was a prosecutor. A prosecutor. But, but then life happened. I had my first child, and so my path changed again. And oh, Sorry. There's a, there's a buzz. I'm trying to manage it so that everybody sounds good. Go ahead. Okay. Yes. So then I I, I kind of uh, did a couple things so that I could be flexible with my schedule and be home with my daughter for some of the time, and I uh, s- sort of found myself doing family law. M- my parents weren't divorced. I had really no experience with anyone Who got divorced. I had no idea what (laughs) divorce involved, but I thought anything's better than what I was doing at the time. Okay. I won't be specific so as not to offend anyone who practices in that area. So I started in family law and I found, I really found my calling and I did that for 17 years until I took the bench and now I sit in a family law courtroom because I requested to be there. Can I ask you all uh, how cool is it to be able to say when I took the bench?
3: It's kind of I mean, like, cool. Isn't
0: yeah. a, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's. that's, yeah. that's how long have you been a judge, Porter? Uh, over a little over a year. That was a really weird way to say that, Judge. Hey, well, hey Porter, how long you been a judge? <laughs> <laughs> a little over. How long? A year. A I was year. Pointed so, in December. And you've been the judge
3: the longest. <laughs> yes, this is amazing. So, were, so you were pointed to the bench. So yes, Justice um, the Illinois Supreme Court. When there's a vacancy on the Circuit Court, they have to fill the vacancy because you need people to work and make sure the courthouse is still functioning. So whenever there's a vacancy, they do appointments. The Illinois Supreme Court does appointments. So okay. we were all, there was three vacancies. We were all appointed by the Illinois Supreme Court under the recommendation of Justice Mary Kay O'Brien. So that's how after we, her... We love, we love Mary Kay O'Brien. We do, we, we do. do. Very, very exciting, yes. So after she uh, won her seat, those vacancies became available and she got busy doing appointments. Nice. Yes. Okay,
0: so a year for Judge Porter. Uh,
3: Judge, uh, Judge
0: uh, I'm sorry, Barry. How long have you been a judge? Uh, actually, one year tomorrow. Was, one year tomorrow morning. And
4: I just want to add: uh, none of us knew Mary Kay O'Brien. No, yeah, I don't, was, uh, yeah. no. I, I, just, I think it's. I think it's important for your listeners to know that uh, we were all appointed based on our qualifications, and she had a rigorous vetting process, and and we were appointed after that, which was a little bit of a new day for DuPage County. You bring up a good point. So,
0: so was it was it blind? Is there a point where? So first, they go through all your credentials, everything, your history, and things like that, and then do you have a, a in person meeting? Or is it all based on your background? I, I didn't meet her until uh, I was interviewed by
4: a panel of people, and I didn't meet her until uh, after all that.
2: Uh, wow! Wow! All right, then. Ted have only been on. Uh, let's see, 10 months? Okay. So it was one, two, three. We were about four months apart. And so for Judge Barron and I, there was an open application process. So there was an advertisement posted through the Bar Association. At least that's how I, I applied. Maybe, I don't know, if, I think it was, there was an open application process for the positions, so attorneys were all invited, who lived in the area, were invited to apply, and then they, just like any job, applicants apply, they pick the ones who they want to interview further, so there was a whole series of, of interviews, and ultimately, we were each selected, for we were the final person who sort of survived all of that process, and, and we were each job. Um, uh, appointed. Alright, I'm gonna start
0: with you and go this way this okay. time. So, what, ha- in the time you've been a, a judge, uh, what has surprised you the most? Would you say uh, some people have said it? Because I've had the pleasure of interviewing uh, mostly Cook County judges. Um, I, I, I really, it's fascinating to me. They all seem to love their job, from what I've heard. Especially uh, like my friend, uh, Judge Mary Dempsey. Uh, I, yeah, I've got. I could go through all of, a few of them, but uh, it's it's remarkable to me in that uh, aspect. They've told me about the the like the training that you go through is kind of interesting. But has there? And I know you don't want to talk about specific cases, right. but are there anything anything that jumps out at you that surprises you as a judge?
2: So I was a trial attorney from. For almost my entire career, and it's one thing to advocate for your client, advocate for a position, and ultimately see what the judge does. Now I'm the judge, yeah. and I have to do. And in the area that I'm in, it's very it's very fact based, so it's it's not always straightforward. In in divorce cases, it, it's kind of listening and then deciding and trying to be fair and equitable. Uh, and and I think the hardest part is being the one who actually has to decide. Right, and right, mind, and like Judge Barron said, wanting to make sure that we're doing it based upon the law and we're doing it right. So that's, I, I, of course, we all know that sort of intuitively, uh, sure. yes. But when you actually have to be the one to do it. It feels different, and it, it, it's such a responsibility that uh, I think that we all take it very seriously. I know I do, and I, I know my colleagues do as well.
0: Is there some? Is there sort of a? Have you found a technique for you to sort of like go? Okay, that was my day. That that stays in the courtroom or in my my chambers. I don't know if, yeah, if you do it chambers. guess right, yes.
5: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it that too.
0: <laughs> I've watched enough television. <laughs> there you go. You. It's just like TV. <laughs> it, I believe it. Uh, are you able to? Have you found a place to other techniques that you use? Meditation, uh, taking a walk or anything in particular?
2: So I will say that my my practice as a family law attorney, I had to do that early on okay. because I was dealing with yeah. people's lives, their children, their finances. How am I going to survive after this? And so if you cannot separate yourself, you really can't be an effective advocate. And even more so as a judge, you have to be able to be impartial and not take it home with you. I, I love to exercise. I've done it my whole adult life and, and mostly for that mental release. So I really try and do that as much as I can. Outstanding. And Judge Barron, what would you say? Is there something that you've
0: had? Now you've all had a chance to think about it. I, <laughs> <laughs> Judge Setson got, got sort of she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is surprising to me. Did great. <laughs> yes. Um, um, the biggest family? surprise to me was
4: um, how... So we're all have different backgrounds, juvenile, family law, civil litigation. Most of the judges in DuPage County, their background is criminal. So most of the judges there oh. are former prosecutors, but career prosecutors are a few public defenders. So but most of the courts, not all the courtrooms are criminal. So you've got judges that didn't practice in the area that they're in the courtroom of now. Um, and so that was really interesting to me. I'm in law division. Um there are seven judges in law division. Only two others had a background doing civil litigation. Uh, so that is really interesting to me. We, The three of us each brought something really new to the courthouse that was very needed. Uh, nobody ever had a background like Chantal, uh, juvenile, juvenile. Uh, court, and and she was a GAL and so forth, and divorce, and then what I'm doing as a a former plaintiff's attorney. So we're really adding something that was very needed, and I was kind of surprised that there wasn't more diversity of experience on the bench.
0: Wow. And, then, and do you have in this, the same sort of, do you have a technique for separating what happens during the course of your day and going home to your family? I think it's like Leah said, uh, as
4: practitioners, we already had to do that. So it's really not that different uh, from from how it was in practice now that we're on the bench. Um that's,
0: it's incredible and, and you and yourself judge Porter
3: right so I my call is really interesting as the juvenile court judge I hear all matters of juvenile justice so um, minors under 18 years old who have caught doing crimes and then I also do all the child protection cases so these are families that are involved with DCFS right um, so my my call is very very unique the interesting thing about being a judge is I've I've had a lot of jobs in that courtroom prior to being a judge I was a public defender I was actually supervisor of the juvenile division of the public defenders office so I represented parents in that in those scenarios and kids in the juvenile justice scenarios I was a guardian at lightham so I've represented children mm-hmm. um, in, in foster care and things of that nature so having played different roles within that courtroom and now being the judge in that courtroom I really have good insight on how all the players work together and juvenile courts supposed to be non- adversarial right we're supposed to work towards Towards the best interest of the child, trying to figure out what these families need, whether it be mental health, substance abuse, domestic violence, um, all the traumas sometimes that these families are going through that bring them into the court system. Um, we're kind of a problem-solving court. Mm. And so coming to it with a lens that um, not everything is quite as it seems, and maybe there's something else under the surface that's going on with this family that they need the support that we can offer them. So um, I definitely Come to it from from that lens, um, and definitely realizing that families are just going through so much right now, and as much support that we can give them, and things that we can try to do to uplift our our children and uplift our families um, to to really. Make sure that the court process is supporting them and not harming them. Right.
0: That's it. Has to be fascinating. I'm fascinated by the fact that all of you were in a lot of these courtrooms, and now get to be on the other side of that, having seen all the moving parts. Did you? Well, I'll come back because we have to take a break here. But do you have a decompression uh, technique? uh, Sort of leaving the day behind
3: you. So I, I, yeah, I think I really like to just maybe kind of be by myself in those moments. My family is great. I, I have a little one, so I don't get to. I have the youngest kid out of all. Of us, so I don't get to decompress that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I just turn on mommy, uh, mommy mode, and, and the voice. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yes. I just it's the weirdest thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like- I- I- have you ever caught yourself doing that to people in the course of your day? Hey, I, you. Well, I sometimes when I and I forget that I can't call the children like you know, sweetie, or you know, right. I'm like, oh nope, you know. So it, it's very right. hard for me yes. not to kind of see because I am, I, I am a mom, you know, and that that doesn't leave you. And I think it enhances my my practice and, and how I see things, but it's definitely a part of who I am. Does it? Am I, I mean, I, I guess because sometimes when I have to come home from a long day, I will sit out in my
0: car way longer uh, than I need to. Whether it's Wait, listening, you sit in your driveway and don't enter
3: the car or don't enter, enter the, the house. house yeah no, no.
0: and one day I was in my car I don't know if I ever told you guys this I was in my car and I looked up in the rearview mirror the mom next door was in her car behind me
4: <laughs>
0: solidarity right? yeah. and we yeah. winked at each other yeah we winked at each other she had a little bit I, I could smell what she was doing <laughs> her and I was like get it sister whatever <laughs> she, yeah there was smoke coming out of her car I was like, like oh, can I sit in your car this is amazing we are hanging out with uh, three judges I don't we need a name for this sitcom uh, I really I, I feel like this it's like night court. I don't know why they came back. They could have done this as a show. Um, we have in and with in studio with us. We have Judge Chantel Porter. We have Judge Jennifer Barron and Judge Leah Leah Setson. Uh And she must hate that every time someone says her name, they have to reiterate that they're saying it the right way. <laughs> Leah saying it twice. That's like right. It. And uh, they are all up for uh, for election because they were all appointed. So now they are running for election. There's a primary coming up in DuPage County, and will. So you said you were only on parts of DuPage County. So before we go to the break, what what district for you? So
3: I'm Subcircuit 1, which would be like the Bensonville, Wooddale, Addison, Villa Park, Glendale Heights area of DuPage. Thank you. I'm Subcircuit 2, so that's parts of Naperville, Aurora,
4: Warrenville, Winfield, and West Chicago.
2: And Judge? And I'm number 3, so parts of Naperville, Lyle, Westmont, Downers Grove, Darien, Oakbrook, Woodridge excellent your honors I appreciate it we're gonna take a break here when we come back we'll continue our
0: conversation listeners if you have a question uh, or uh, 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 something you want to say seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight texting right now might be the easiest because I really kind of want to talk to the judges I'm just saying not for nothing but uh, I, I wouldn't if, if it looks interesting I might be able to grab your call uh, more after this on Wcpt 820 heartland signal thank you thank you for hanging
1: out with us you're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
0: Sorry, I'm just, uh, me and uh, Judge Barron are, uh, talking about our kids, and, uh, I am so spoiled to have him in town. I really, uh, I just, it's a lot of fun. And I know Judge Porter was, it was Valentine's Day for your kindergartner. Yes. That's exciting. A lot of, uh, is there going to be, do you think he came home with a lot of sugar? I'm <laughs> positive.
3: He <laughs> came home with a lot of sugar. I, I,
0: all, all three of us are moms. Um, so let me start again with, uh, Judge Setson. Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about the influences in our lives and, uh, and, and you know, the, uh, what strikes me in all of this, and, and what I've been thinking about on a larger scale, when it comes to the arguments that we have in relation to policy and laws in our country, it really does come down to uh, being able to convince somebody to your, you know, to to make that argument. And to, how does that relate in your relationship with your kids? Like, have you also passed that along? With like, if you want to make your point, you know, because we're in a we're in a moment in our country where, like, if you don't believe what I do, we'll screw you.
2: You know right. what I mean? Right. Well, I, uh, my daughter maybe is following in Judge Porter's footsteps a little. <laughs> oh. So she's 20 now, but when she was in elementary school, so her dad and I had a, a, a random rule that she couldn't get her ears pierced until I forget what age, maybe 13. Okay. Because I had a bad experience when I had my ears pierced as a younger child. And so uh, she had an assignment for school. It was take a position or argue a position, a position paper kind of. And so she wrote us a letter. Uh, why she believed that that was an arbitrary <laughs> ruling. She, basically, she uh, filed a motion to reconsider when she was in fourth or fifth grade. This is yeah. true, mm-hmm. and she did convince me. And I'm hard to convince. I'm my. Uh, uh, she always says that I'm the strict, the strictest mom of, of her fam of her friends, and. I don't really think I am, but that's so be it. Amazing. But she did, and so she got her ears pierced. at Maybe it was ten, and uh, no problems. So she she started early. That's a, that's <laughs> outstanding. And, and I'm, I am also struck in these
0: stories to Judge Barron uh, because you mentioned, or somebody mentioned before we came on the air, that there, a third of the judges are still only women, less than I, a third, yeah. less than a third. So tell us about the importance and the value that a mom brings. And, and I and believe me, as a woman in general, but as a mom on the bench, like what that the distinction you would you kind of see throughout your career and now as a judge? Uh, Yeah, so uh, one thing I do in my courtroom is
4: on Fridays we have uh, settlement conferences, so parties that want to try and resolve the case come in and and the judge assists and meets with the parties separately and tries to resolve the case, and uh, I always... You know, I I feel like I've been very lucky, and I've settled a lot of cases. And I really think the reason is because I'm a mom of two kids. So if you have two kids and you're a mom, you've spent all that time. My kids are 20 and 22. I've spent 22 years working things out between two people who did not agree, but had but had to, (laughs) and were
2: unreasonable, and and were sometimes unreasonable. And
0: you
4: you know you sit and you listen and you talk and you go through it, and and at the end of the day, you come to a resolution. So I do think that's a, a great
0: asset I bring to my role. I love it. And, and as a mom of the youngest uh, child, yeah. I mean, because we, we've gotten to the point where uh, we, we, we no matter how much you think you're going to have it figured out, uh, something is going to surprise you in the course of a day. I mean, uh, so what, you know, what it, how much has being a judge changed you as a mom, actually, I guess, is the other question.
3: Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I do, a we do a lot more like negotiating because uh-huh. uh, now he is older. He understands what I do. And so there's lots of, you know, mom, let's make a deal. <laughs> you know, can I? Can I get six more minutes to stay up? And I'm just like, you're not in a position to negotiate until you brush your teeth. Um. You know, <laughs> you, you are not in, like you have to bring something to the table. So we definitely do a lot more negotiating. And I sometimes catch myself like, I think I'm, I think I'm rationalizing with a six year old. And sometimes I have to remind myself that I actually am the mother. And I'm like, I, I don't have to justify you brushing your teeth, yes. right? Like you, like I don't have to negotiate this.
0: I, I do remember <laughs> those moments where. I would, like, you know, he would come and have, like, you know, poop on his hand, right? Because it wasn't a thing as a toddler. And i am like, did I really get a college degree for this moment in my life? Is this what it's all come down to? Uh, as So you are the first black woman to serve as a judge in DuPage County. And that in and of itself is, is an astounding thing to say, and yet remarkable. And congratulations Thank to you. you and everyone who... Uh, because it, it is, it does matter. I, I will tell you, I just told a story yesterday. I was uh, at an event, and I don't know if... You, I, well, it seems as though you have a great network and relationship with your fellow just judges. Uh, I was at an event with comedians, and a woman told a story about the struggle she was going through about 15 years ago. And when she finally got onto solid ground, she went to a comedy show and saw me, and decided that's what she needed to do with her life. And that's what you, all of you bring to your positions is is uh, being that example in your communities to uh, families around you. Um, you know what? What do you say to parents or to if somebody? We just said you just mentioned like it's never too late to. F- Pursue your dream. If if someone's thinking about uh, a career in law, what do you what do you want to tell them?
3: Well, I I definitely say you know follow your dreams. You know work hard, and I think. Um, somebody once said that, you know, when you see something, you believe that you can be it. And I think, you know, the goal, I, I never, you know, just uh, I was I was an attorney. I was practicing law. And I remember watching the confirmation hearings of um, Supreme Court Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson. And I remember watching, mm-hmm. you know, her get. And mind you, I was an attorney at the time. I was not a judge. And I I mean, I, tears were streaming down. And I just thought to myself, I could be this. Now, I'm not saying I could be on the Supreme Court. You absolutely can be. All (laughs) of of you see it, you believe it. (laughs) But I'm thinking, like, just what a moment in time. And it was just so impactful for me. And little did I know that was the summer, by that fall, I would be on the bench. You know, and and here I was watching history with with no idea that very shortly I would be making my own history. And nobody, and and I think, um, you know, Justice Jackson said this, nobody sets out to to be the first. The goal is to Make sure that others are following behind you and make sure that path is easier for them and make sure that they see what you've done and, and bring them forward. So that's always what I'm I'm here to do is just make sure that other people see that this path is available to them. But also in our, we need a justice system and a court that reflects our community, the diversity of our community, the people, the vibrancy, the differences of our community. When you walk into a courthouse, and everybody you see and nobody looks like you, you do feel like an outsider. And if that that one person, that one child, that one family that maybe comes in and sees me on the bench and maybe takes a little bit sigh of relief because maybe they feel like, you know, that somebody is going to listen to them and give them this opportunity and and not prejudge them and and give them the chance to be heard, that's what's really worth it. Because people really just want that opportunity to be heard and treated equally. I think
0: so many people say that. And and they say that in every uh, aspect of their lives. I want to be heard, whether it's at work. But we also are hearing that when we talk about voters, I want to take a break here because I want to talk about some of the issues that are being uh, legislated and then being basically argued in your courtrooms, or, or the things that you're seeing in our state. Uh, I know that we talked briefly in the hallways about some of the things that may come to your courts, and maybe not because of the 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 types of cases that you guys see. Uh, but it is a part of you know people want to know if they're voting for a judge, and you might have another job down the road. You might get an appointment. Things change. Um, uh, you know, we we want to know that it's important to invest in ju- judges like you. Again, we're taking a break right now. We are hanging out with Judge Chantel Porter, uh, Judge Jennifer Barron, and Judge Leah Setson. Making sure I say that part correctly as well. More when we come back on Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal.
6: This is a WCPT Better a Minute. After working several odd jobs in New York City, Henry Johnson found his way into the National Guard during World War I. Johnson was assigned to the 369th Infantry Regiment, but the all-black unit was better known as the Harlem Hellfighters. The Hellfighters' first task was assisting the French 4th Army. On May 15, 1918, Hellfighter Johnson noticed Germans attempting to break in. Johnson retreated to get backup from the French troops, noticing German soldiers were attempting to kidnap another Hellfighter. Despite standing at only five foot four, Johnson sprung into action. With only three bullets and a bolo knife, Johnson was able to kill four enemy soldiers and wounded 21 others, causing them to retreat, saving himself and his men. However, Johnson received a total of 21 injuries all over his body, including his left foot being shattered. Johnson was discharged, and his papers did not show his heroism or his injury, leaving him unable to receive any disability compensation leaving Johnson pettiless at the time of his death at age 36. Johnson's heroism went unnoticed for decades until President Barack Obama awarded him the Medal of Honor in 2015.
7: Do you have a car sitting around you want to get rid of? Then here's a great idea. Donate your car and help veterans and their families. Yes, one fast call to the Veteran Car Donation Program and we'll come and remove your car for free. Fast, free towing and 24-hour response. You can donate most cars, trucks, or SUVs in most conditions. The proceeds raised goes to help active military, veterans, and their families, and you get a tax deduction. All you need to do is make this free call. Get rid of that old car and help the vets. We make it easy. Make this free call now and book your fast and easy pickup. Call the Veteran Donation Program now. Donate your car and help veterans and their families. Operators are standing by. Here's the number. 800-296-1564. 800-296-1564. 800-296-1564. That's 800-296-1564.
1: Hey, Google, play WCPT.
8: Streaming Chicago's Progressive Talk from TuneIn.
1: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820
0: go down is one of my favorite shows I've ever done here. I'm just saying. Uh, I, I'm so thrilled to be in studio with not one, not two, but three judges. Judge Jennifer Jennifer Barron, Judge Leah Setson, and Judge Chantel Porter, uh, all running for election in DuPage County. And uh, there's a primary coming up. What day is it? Is it March, March 19th, 19th. But early voting has already started. So it's right? mail-in voting is a uh, Yes. So went out? In person and mail-in. Oh, in person is started. Yes. yes. Oh, at like the, the larger polling places. Correct. Right? The, like the, the county. <laughs> Yes. Right. So then, and then I believe in Chicago, it's March 4th is when more, uh, like, more locations we'll will open, open. open And that's the same in DuPage. Excellent. It's March 4th, folks. So there you go. Get your, get, go vote right now. That's you right. have time. What time do they close, do you think? Is it uh, 4.30. 30. they can vote tomorrow. 8 a.m. Tomorrow. Remember, it's Porter, Barron, and Setson, folks. Turn, Turn the ballot Turn right. over. That's Turn the right. ballot <laughs> over. <laughs> Start in the back. Only one of us will be on your ballot, depending on yes. where you live. Yeah. Exactly. But look for those first. And Jim wants to say something. Hey, Jim in Chicago, what do you want to say to our, our judges?
7: Hi, uh, Patty, and your uh, guest. Does anybody imagine a time where there'll be a, we'll uh, be able to sue over the ammunition if you're shot, huh? or there be some, there'll be some liability for the product of a gun or a lethal gun or lethal ammunition. Or you'll have to take out an insurance policy so that your gun is tracked and your ammunition, ammunition is tracked. If somebody's paralyzed or. Right. Judge. From judge. shooting.
0: Uh, hold on a Jim, I do want to tell he, you, Judge. I told of, yeah.
7: Jim, Jim, Judge, Judge. No, Jim,
0: please. I have so many judges in here. Jim, I want to tell you, I was telling the judges you're probably going to call and say how impressed you were and then go on with your question. But you went right in with the question without the compliment <laughs> and I'm a little bit disappointed, <laughs> I'm being honest with you. Because I know that you're impressed by them, right. I'm just
7: saying. But I, I apologize for that. <laughs> but I know that. i yeah. but, but I know that. Uh, but I, but I know that. I mean, it's, it, it's got to be in yep. the next 50 let, years. We've got to have liability okay. for these guns.
0: Okay, let me let me get. I'm sorry, go say, no, go ahead, Jim. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, roll you down and, and uh, ask that question to each one of the judges. Sound good? Or, or in a way, thank you, thank you, Jim. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's start with uh, Judge Setson. So, I mean, it's it, it, not just th- not that. We don't have to, because, uh, you know, that we're speculating and things like that. It is a Second Amendment that we uh, often talk about, and I know that uh, you've probably gone over this, you know, the way it's worded and what the Founding Fathers intended and all these different things. So what is the responsibility of a judge in Illinois when it comes to legislation that has been uh, voted, voted on and signed by the governor?
2: So when each of us were sworn in, uh, into our position, we took an oath to... Uphold the laws of the state of Illinois and the Illinois and United States Constitution. Excuse me, Constitution. That's a hard word to say. And that's what we do every day, right? So, and and we live in a state that uh, has has laws that protected citizens, Right. and so we're 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 sworn to uphold those, and we're happy to uphold those laws.
0: And and speculating about things like uh, insurance, and when it comes to ammunition and things like that, that, that that sounds like something that because of the way it is, our judicial system is structured. I mean, that's something that had to be a case that's brought by somebody else, right, G- Judge Baron?
4: Yeah. So I used to handle products liability cases, so. Uh, It's a good question for me. Uh, I think what Jim's getting at is a legislative issue. So if our legislature chose to pass a law that held uh, ammunition manufacturers liable or required them to have some kind of tracking um, then and that passed, then that – is a law that would exist and then a case could come before us on that law. Right. We as judges can't create a law like that. So I think uh, there's a lot of people who have great ideas similar to Jim's and I think the legislature uh, is looking at things like that right now and I, I know some other states have passed laws like that and then um, they ultimately go up to the U.S. Supreme Court and we all know how our U- U.S. Supreme Court currently is ruling on those types of cases. But all those cases um, do begin at circuit courts, at trial courts. So every case you see on the Second Amendment that the U.S. Supreme Court is ruling on begins at a trial court. So you want to have judges on the trial court level who represent your values. Uh, and we all believe in respecting the current laws in Illinois Uh, And the U.S. Constitution and our Illinois state constitution right now has passed some great, important laws to keep us safe in our schools and our neighborhoods. Uh, We were talking about the Highland Park shooting a a little while ago. Um, And uh, after that, we all know that Illinois passed uh, 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 assault weapons ban, and uh, that has gone through the courts and currently is upheld, and the U.S. Supreme Court did not strike that down. Uh, But... You know, we're always one judge away from having uh, things in jeopardy,
0: right? Um, Does it when you see? Uh, I, I don't know how much you do. You follow? Do you all follow the news and uh, what's going on in other states and just like. I, I can't imagine being a judge and seeing what happens in places like Texas, uh, whether it's about guns or abortion rights. and Because, it, again, those judges in their position are going by, as we talked about, the legislation of the state. Uh, so, and in your courtroom, Judge Porter, it, you're in juvenile court. Do you see, you see, probably, I would imagine, see the effects on gun, of gun violence in families and, and with our, our youth?
3: So, you know, the thing about being a judge is we we have our, our, our the laws, and and what's written down in the books, but we also understand the human impact of Mm. those laws, and we also understand the human impact of what people are going through. Um, We mentioned earlier, you know, today... This day in 2008, my sister was at Northern Illinois University during that school shooting, and I know as a family member what it felt like to be worried for for over three hours as she was in the building next door, hidden in a coat closet, uh, with the door locked and a chair pushed up against the door with two of her other classmates. And when you go through something like that, you realize that although these laws are written in black and white, there's real human impact behind how we're protecting um, our citizens and what, what those laws mean when they're applied correctly and what those laws mean when they're trying to make sure that our, 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 our kids are safe and our streets are safe. And when I see young people who, who are before me and they're, they're either victims of gun violence or, or for some reason have, have, have are in a life situation where they, they have had access to guns, you really start to think about what are we doing as a community yes. on that level to make sure that we are, um, you know, protecting our families, protecting our our kids and really understanding what that human impact is on uh, the things that, that we do and the decisions we make in upholding those laws and how that impacts um, those in our community. I want to live in DuPage. I, you know,
0: Rick, Rick <laughs> Eser, uh the silent uh, candidate for commissioner of the DuPage Forest Preserve, uh, has graciously uh, in, uh, brought uh, my, to my attention these incredible uh, judges who are running in DuPage County. So I've got 30 seconds for each of you to uh, do your, your pitch to. To our audience as uh, we wrap up here, at
2: Judge Hudson. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Patty. I just want to say that everyone who lives in my area, I have the experience. I have the service to community. I've lived there all my life. I'm dedicated. I asked to be in the courtroom that I'm in because I want to continue to help the people of DuPage County go through the toughest times of their lives. And having a judge, as Judge Barron said, having a judge who actually has that background. I have also a personal background, and I'm actually a divorced uh, a parent as well. Mm-hmm. I get it. And I think that people... People want to have that person sitting at the bench who understands and is going to listen to them, and that's me. And your and your website, Judge Setzen S E T Z E N dot com. Outstanding, Judge Barron. Yeah, um,
4: I I think I'm the best choice uh, to remain on the bench in my sub circuit. I have the endorsement of all the elected Democrats in our area, as do uh, both my colleagues here and nine labor unions. Yeah. Uh, when I was I, I was I sit in a trial court handling civil litigation. That's what I did for 25 years as a lawyer. I also did pro bono work uh, for the Giffords Law Center against gun violence, actually, uh, speaking of gun violence, and also for Prairie State Legal Services. And that's important because it, it shows that I've always uh, cared about representing the little guy, uh, making sure everyone's voice is heard. Everyone's treated with respect in the courtroom. I did that as a lawyer and I do it as a judge. And I think that's really the most important thing that we're looking for in our judges. Outstanding. And uh, your website? JudgeJenniferBaron.com. That's B-A-R-R-O-N.
3: Judge Porter? Um, I would just like to say that, um, you know, experience matters. Qualifications, understanding uh, the law matters, having a passion for what you're doing matters, and really understanding what, how what you do impacts our community. Having a reflection of the, our diverse and vibrant community on the bench matters. And so I think um, my choice um, in being on the bench and the selection from the Illinois Supreme Court and the confidence that I have from all the Democratic uh, leaders in my community who have endorsed me, the labor unions who have endorsed me, um, Personal pack who have has endorsed me and has endorsed us all um, really just shows that we are committed to our community. We're committed to looking at things in a way that really is benefiting um, everybody. Looking at everybody with equality, with fairness, that nobody is above the law. And I know we see that a lot. Nobody is above the law. Thank you. Um, and the law should be applied fl- fairly to everyone and everybody should walk into that building and feel like they are going to be heard and respected. And your website? Uh, www.judgechon
0: I look forward to following this race, and I look forward to seeing you all again. Uh, on, on behalf of uh, so many people who I know are like minded, uh, we congratulate you. We are proud of you, and uh, I, I'm just I, I'm thrilled to have met you. And uh, I want to do it again. Thank you so much, all of you. Thank, Thank you for, for having uh, us. Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to check in with our friend in Wisconsin, Dan Schaefer from the Reconciliation area. More after this on WCPTA 20 Heartland Signal.
1: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Masquez on WCPT. 820. We gotta get to this.
0: All right, enough with the intro. It's Valentine's Day, and I want to make sure that our favorite Wisconsinite, uh, Dan Schaefer from the Rekababulation area, can make his dinner plans. Dan, how are you doing today? Happy Valentine's Day.
9: Happy Valentine's Day! Good, to, good to hear from you, Patty. Thanks I, for having me on, as always.
0: Absolutely. You know what? I know that we're short on time, so I, I'm going to be, uh, I, I'm going to be tight. But I also need to play this. Just a second. Let me do that.
7: That Tucker interview. I mean, understand. Take the things with a grain of salt. But a lot of the points that Vladimir Putin made are accurate, <laughs> they're obvious, and oh so God. many of our people here in Washington, D.C. are just ignoring that, uh, making people believe like Ukraine can win. Oh, my the God. Ukraine can't. Putin won't
1: lose. Uh, Putin uh, will not lose. He's uh, not going to lose. You have to stack that into the reality if you're going to deal with this thing effectively.
0: So basically, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Dan, that uh, your uh, Senator, uh, Ron Johnson, has invited uh, Russia to invade you, uh, Wisconsin, I'm pretty sure is what he said there that they're going to win. Also, taken.
9: yeah, too much, right?
8: <laughs> what the hell?
9: Yeah, I, well, it's uh, it's time once again for our recurring segment. <laughs> Wisconsin senior senator <laughs> said something crazy. Yes,
0: I mean, you know, sure, your maps and voting on that, and what happened with Evers, and trying to make sure that uh, that he can override the he can override their whatever all the things. Uh, is there any like what the hell, Dan?
9: Yeah, yeah. Uh it's it's once again it's Ron Johnson uh having very bizarre views on Ukraine and Russia. Uh I, I guess he's trying to paint himself as some, some sort of realist by saying that uh you know if we we should stop supporting Ukraine and just let them get rolled over by Russia. Yeah, that's a, that's going to set up a great precedent. Uh letting uh you know um imperial dictators uh do whatever they want that's you know that's that's great right that's what we should that's that's the type of foreign policy uh that we should be advancing right for uh, for a, a senator in his third term uh just very bizarre yeah i you know the the republican policy towards ukraine is just absolutely mind bending
0: it really is. And uh, I, I'm trying to tweet at Ron Johnson, but is Ron Johnson W.I. his uh, Twitter handle? or Is that somebody else's? I don't know. <laughs> just because I'm just, I, because I, I get the feeling he wants Russia to destroy Ukraine and absorb Wisconsin. That's all I'm saying.
9: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the what's to stop them? Right. Right. uh, You know, there's there's nothing in the way once once he drops the support. Yeah. Well, Uh, you know, another series of bizarre comments from from our senior senator, Ron Johnson. Uh, Always a disappointment to to hear him uh, make the news in this manner. But the thing is that he doesn't actually uh Do anything. So, that's uh, that's always the the through line with Ron Johnson. He doesn't really impact policy significantly in any way. Uh, he just goes on TV and says crazy things, which is why I always like to say Wisconsin has. One functioning senator because we when we get you know projects brought home to Wisconsin um, you know other other important things advanced in legislation that's relevant to uh, relevant to people here it's always Tammy Baldwin and never Ron Johnson so yeah uh, Ron, Ron's just gonna keep making the rounds on, on conservative media talking all the time he's got his he's got his fun little beard growing good for him <laughs> uh, and uh, he's just gonna continue to, to make the rounds on conservative media but never actually do anything for
0: Wisconsin. Oh, boy. Well, speaking of not doing anything for Wisconsin, so Speaker DeVos uh, is obviously now we're working on the uh, the maps, the fair maps in uh, Wisconsin. Tell us a little bit of the details of today or, or the uh, shorthand. Yeah, so. yes.
9: Yeah, so, frankly, a pretty discombobulating week uh, in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, I I wrote a piece last night at the Recombobulation Area trying to piece things together. But kind of the main headline that we've seen the last couple days is that the Republican-controlled state legislature passed maps proposed by Democratic Governor Tony Evers. Well, it's like, well, why would they do that? Why would they uh, resort to this option? Um, Some people think there are some shenanigans at play, and others think this is just the Republicans kind of retreating a little bit and taking the best of a series of bad options for them, bad for them options. Good for Wisconsin uh, to get more fair maps, but they they passed you know Tony Evers' map, which is a pretty reasonable map uh, for the state of Wisconsin. You know, looking at some of the 2022 data it would project to be pretty close to a 50 50 split with a slight Republican edge, uh, which is kind of what you would expect in the state of Wisconsin's uh, state legislative maps. And and they have now passed it. Now it's on to the governor. The governor has not yet made a decision whether he will uh, veto those maps or, or sign them into law. Uh, there are a lot of competing views uh, on this right now, um, and it's a you know it's a huge decision. But I am a lot of the you know fair maps pro democracy uh, advocacy groups over the last twenty four hours have put out statements encouraging Evers to sign the maps that were passed by Republicans, which I think is a pretty interesting uh, development in the state of Wisconsin. We could be right on the precipice uh, of having maps that actually reflect the voters in the state of
0: Wisconsin, which I mean, would just be so uh, revolutionary, and it shouldn't be. I mean, revolutionary in the sense that we're seeing what happened in Michigan. I I, I was surprised. It was just yesterday that they became that they that they were able to uh, shed their right to work state status, uh, which is something that I believe you you are a right to work state in Wisconsin, correct?
9: Uh, thanks to Scott Walker yeah.
0: That's right that, Oh yeah that of Duh All the uh, massive protests In the state capitol uh, Which ultimately They were able to Get him out of office But so many of the Harmful uh, bills That he shoved through and, and policies Continue to affect people Whether it's abortion I mean Where are you On, on uh, the rulings From your supreme court In regards to Women's reproductive care
9: that um i have not seen any real movement uh on that as of yet but basically what is happening is that an uh at kind of at the lower level courts not the state supreme court uh have have ruled to allow you know planned parenthood to reopen okay. uh their clinics in Milwaukee county and Dane county where madison is uh i think there was i don't remember the status of I think there was another clinic in Sheboygan um not sure what the status of that is their DA uh was a little bit more hostile uh to women's rights last I last I recall but uh, I think you know the larger case um you know has taken a back seat because of some of those lower court rulings that have um you know brought people's rights back uh in in certain parts of the state at least uh it's still a very concerning piece overall but I think the main the main focus uh, in in Wisconsin politics over the past you know couple months has been has been this redistricting case has been you know kind of where the where things will lie in the foundation for for new maps uh, going forward and I think you know that was the first case brought forth uh, when Jan, Justice Janet Prostewitz. Uh, Was seated on the court, so I think that has kind of taken precedent over everything else right now.
0: We are talking to Dan Schaefer as he heads out uh, for dinner with uh, with his lovely wife for Valentine's Day. What are you working on before we go? What are you working on for the recombination area?
9: Right now, I'm really paying a lot of some close attention to to the maps. I just wrote some wrote something there. Uh, We'll also be you know kind of looking ahead uh, to some of the big races. This year, you know, we had a a very high-profile news story over the weekend uh, where Congressman Mike Gallagher uh, said that he would not be uh, seeking re-election. So I'm starting to take a look at what's going to be happening uh, in his district. It's a heavily Republican district, but Gallagher was one of the only Republicans not to vote to impeach uh, uh, Secretary Mayorkas um and took a took a stand there and did so it, it seemed pretty orchestrated because Gallagher uh had a you know a Wall Street Journal editorial and and planned the the announcement that he would not be uh seeking re-election um so interesting moves there uh some of the people who uh, might be running uh to to fill his seat on the Republican side are some of the, some pretty extreme maga republicans so it's going to be Ugh. interesting to see How that shakes out. And, you know, a part of the state, again, it's been deep red uh, in the current district, but there's also a challenge to the. Congressional districts uh, as well. The state state legislature has kind of taken priority there in the courts, but there is a challenge uh coming for the for the congressional districts as well, so we shall see.
0: Ooh, a lot happening in Wisconsin. Dan Schaefer covers it all, so oh, fo- make sure you're following him on Twitter. Sign up for his newsletter, the Recon Population Area. There is a it, it really you really do uh learn so much. And I actually my boss on my day job uh was so thrilled that I turned him on to you uh and he talks to me about it all the time. So thank you for making me look good to my boss's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Dan. Oh, excellent.
9: Yeah. Excellent.
0: Have, have a wonderful so evening. Happy Valentine's Day to you and your family. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. We'll talk to you next week. Yay. Let's let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk to Kaylee Peterson for Congress in Idaho. You guys, let's get on this race, too, because there's so many candidates across the country that we need to be paying attention to. It makes a difference. More in a moment on WCPT twenty Heartland Signal.
1: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Basket on WCPT 820.
0: We are so excited to welcome back Kaylee Peterson, Kaylee for Congress in Idaho.
8: Kaylee, how are you doing today? It's so great to connect with you again doing fantastic happy Valentine's Day Patty so excited to be back on air with you excited to see what we're talking about today
0: well I mostly to catch up and, and, and see update us on how things are going when we last talked to you you said that you know you're connecting with voters and there are people who are excited because you live in uh, a state that uh, has some really has gone backwards in a lot of ways I guess is the be- best way to put it uh, how would you describe the what you're encountering now as we you know get into the primary and, and moving into the rest election season?
8: Well, you know, what's happening here in Idaho, the legislature here has just gone so far back in time. And the only real benefit of this is that the impacts were felt so immediately that it's really kind of uniting Idahoans. So there's so much energy and momentum. And we see people from all across the political spectrum really kind of stepping up and getting involved in a way that kind of uh, transcends. Just party structure or party identity into just good policy for people.
0: It's interesting you say that because I saw some uh, interviews yesterday out of the third district in New York, and people Republicans were saying they couldn't vote for the Republican because they had failed to work on a border bill. Are you encountering people who are like, you know, what? I'm a Republican, but you, I, I, the, it, there has to be a better way, and I'm not leaving my party, but I'm going to cross party lines in these in this election.
8: Oh, absolutely. And one of the great things that I've seen is that Republicans, independents, unaffiliated, really all of these people are just tired of government as is, because what happens is people like my opponent, Russ Felcher get up there and they complain and they point fingers, but they don't offer any solutions. And so the people that I'm talking to just want somebody who's willing to work as hard as they do and is willing to bring solutions to the table. And when we look at the border bill, my opponent is somebody who says he's going to vote against the border bill, but has done nothing but talk about undocumented and illegal immigration in the country. So it's an interesting dynamic and people are starting to get wise to it.
0: And what uh, you know, what what can you tell people about you know, this? I, I, well, let me go in this direction. Do you have a primary in this
8: season? I do not well, okay. I mean, we'll see. I think there's about three weeks left to file. Nobody's really shown any interest,, uh, but you never know there could be a surprise
0: and And are you working with the Democratic party? are they are they getting invested in this race, or are you in a in a state where there people are like, well, you know we we don't have a shot there, which is really, by the way, disappointing for a lot of us because every every seat should be contested if it, if there is no Democrat running, we've got to stand up for that, don't you think?
8: Oh, absolutely. And and it's kind of been a talking point when I talk to Republicans and independents specifically. It's that I've never actually had the chance to talk to the DNC. So I'm not really connected with the Democratic Party at the national level. Uh, our state Democratic Party is phenomenal. They do a lot of great work. But ultimately, as a congressional candidate, we've realized that our campaign, we can utilize to support local candidates, support other progressive voices who want to step up, but don't feel like they have the support or the resources or attention who don't feel like they can do it alone. And it's been great to be a candidate because I love the work I do. I actually love the campaigning part. I love working with communities. So we've been trying to use the campaign in that way to bring grassroots candidates up and uh, give them a platform and some support.
0: And, what the, and I, I'm with you. When I ran for state rep, I absolutely love campaigning and getting out and meeting people and finding out what's important to them. To, and so to that, what are you hearing from people? What is, what is resonating the most with them? Because I know that a lot of the messaging is often uh, formed as you're having conversation with folks. So what are you hearing?
8: Absolutely. Well, this is a, a interesting point I thought I'd tell you, because over the winter, there were some interesting kind of uh, events that took place. I'm really well known for just traveling the district traveled 31,000 miles in the four months before winter hit, and I couldn't get up north. And so we started doing a lot of town halls where I could hear directly from people what issues mattered to them. And after that, my opponent, Russ Fulter actually started doing town halls in each of the communities I visited. And we were able to promote those town halls so that constituents from all across the political spectrum could really attend and ask questions and talk to their elected official. And the, the issues that mattered to them For instance, North Idaho, we lost six out of 10 OBGYNs when the abortion trigger laws took effect. And Bonner County General Hospital lost their labor and delivery. So that was an issue they brought to Russ Fulcher's town hall. Russ Fulcher didn't actually know that that had happened. And so when we look at the issues that matter, people specifically are talking about taxes, uh, tax reform for the middle class. They want working class families to finally get a break. And then Russ Falter just voted against the massive tax tax bill that went through the House. And so the issues that people care about is how they're going to afford to live, whether or not they have the health care to live, and, and just making sure that we have the education and health care that communities need.
0: And, 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 you know, I uh, look at the at the map and we see states that are so deeply read as as Idaho and and, and hearing your voice, I think, is instills a lot of hope for folks that there there is, uh, you know, a path forward to winning some Democratic seats. What are you do you have the opportunity to, like, put a poll in the field or anything like that? I know that you're traveling everywhere and meeting people, but then there comes that point where, you know, the fo- the strategists are like, you know, what, what are we looking like with polling numbers? Have you had an opportunity to do any of that?
8: No. Uh, Unfortunately, in in any rural candidate, any rural progressive candidate you talk to, money is incredibly tight in our races. Other congressional campaigns work with $1 to $3 million for a cycle. Races like mine usually raise less than $100,000. Oh, my God. And so we... It is is shockingly hard, and what we've done with our race, it's one of the reasons I promised I would continue to run. So I'm not just running for 24, 26, 28. It's so that when people invest money in this campaign, they know it's going to stay here in Idaho, and it's going to stay to build long-term infrastructure. And uh, unfortunately, that means every penny we get has to strategically go to reaching voters and getting across the district, which means that we don't have the benefit of polling.
0: Folks, uh, you can go to KayleeForCongress.com. That's K-A-Y-L-E-E for Congress and make a contribution. I mean, as she mentioned, I mean, look, even the $5 that you get, $10, if you can do $5 a month, Kaylee can then count on those, you know, those dollars going towards this campaign and working so hard to restore the faith that people have in government. It should have, I know that there's, you know, been decades of beating the bush of, uh, oh, and literally the bush of, uh, government isn't here to help, and thank you, uh, Ronald Reagan, for creating a lot of this chaos. Uh, tell folks about those. Donates. I mean, because I remember looking at my spreadsheets and going, "Okay, these people believe in me," and it's it's hard to explain to folks that that's really the significance of making a contribution and investing in good government, right?
8: Oh, absolutely, and and I get it. You know, every person I talk to, whether they're Republican or Democrat, is frustrated with the government as is. They're frustrated with our political system. And another another issue is that a lot of our elected officials don't understand what it's like to be a normal American citizen right now, what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck, what it's like not to be able to afford childcare. And I have this massive privilege of both being a working class mom of two, but also having the ability to run this race. And so for me, really bringing this race and working just as hard as every American citizen has to work for their day, uh, it, it just... We've been able to do a lot more with the money that goes into our race than other races. You know, I don't hire big agencies that charge $10,000 a month. I hire Idaho locals who know the community and know how to community organize. I don't spend a bunch of money on fancy parties or gift baskets. I spend it on making sure I have enough gas in my car to get to the next district and and paying locals to do the kind of field work that we need to win the district. And so your dollar really goes incredibly far with local candidates.
0: Do you have a, a number on how many doors you've knocked on so far?
8: I don't have a number on the doors, uh, <laughs> but I i know, I think it's 60,000 miles in the last year and a half I've driven across the district. Are you door knocking a lot? Because I, I, that's
0: one of the things, I know that uh, it can be hard in such a, a big area in a rural district.
8: Yeah, in the off season, we don't do a lot of door knocking, but what we're doing is we're working with local unions, local community groups, local dems. So our field strategy, we've started a Counties for Kaylee program where we have mentors, training scripts everything volunteers need so that we can be at the doors nonstop for the rest of the year oh, We're very excited that is very exciting
0: i you know idaho is I, i've traveled a lot as a stand-up comic and done small towns all over the all over the place and yet idaho is one of the places i've never been so give us the uh, pitch for visiting idaho aside from the, the uh, deep redness of it because I, I think it's a good place to visit i've always wanted to go
8: Oh, my goodness. The people here just cannot be beat. There is just a friendliness where you can go in any... You can stand in any line and make a new friend. Um, My district alone is 500 miles. It goes from the Canadian border down to the Nevada border. And it feels like there's five different states within that district. You have the beautiful mountain scenery where you can go on a trail or raft a river. You have Boise, which is this incredible city dynamic with great theater and arts program. You can walk 20 minutes outside the city and go in the foothills and see the most beautiful sunset of your life. You have the Palouse with these actual just rolling waves of grain and, and yellow fields. So it's just a little bit of everything with this kindness layered on top. What a great promo for Idaho folks. I, I,
0: I may have I may have to find a cabin to go hang out in Idaho. Uh, before we go, uh, give us your 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 pitch, and we, I want to check in with you again. Every month, I want to. I know that it's been a while, but let's uh, you know help you with raising money. Is there anything we can do for like writing postcards or phone banking? from all the way in Illinois, what can we do?
8: Yes, so if people can go to the Kaylee for Congress Mobilize account, you can join our Counties for Kaylee program where we'll talk about postcards and phone calls and text banks. But also we have a petition right now to urge Idaho Senator Mike Crapo to pass the child tax credit expansion. That's really important. It's a huge focus for us right now, specifically for working class families here in district. And we could use your help to get that out. And we've also started a podcast Oh, stick along with the journey and hear about other rural candidates. You can hear exactly what life is like on the trail here. And what's the name of the podcast? Unlikely freedom fighters.
0: Unlikely freedom fighters. I love it. Again, everyone, go to KayleeForCongress.com Let's help her out. Uh, really, an incredible uh, candidate for Congress. Uh, we're thrilled to, to, to have a relationship with you and look forward to talking to you next, next month. We'll set that up and uh, let's get this. Let's get this going, folks. It's time. Ta- it's go time. Let's do it. Thank you, Kaylee. Thank you, Patty. Have a great Valentine's Day. I'll see you. Yes. Soon. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. Go get them, Kaylee. Thanks. Let's take a break here and when we come back. We go from Idaho to Georgia. Let's talk to Mayra when we come back on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 a.m. in Minneapolis, St. Paul.
1: To driving it home with Patty Masquez on WCPT 820.
0: Ah, I'm so excited. We are going to meet Atlanta's media maven Mayra Davis joins us on the line. Mayra, it's a pleasure to meet you. How are you doing today?
5: Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk to you. First off, there's so few women in talk radio. So, Patty, (laughs) thank you for doing the work.
0: Uh, you know, I tripped into it. I wrote an essay called "F Jenny McCarthy," and here we are, twelve years later.
5: I don't know <gasps> what happened. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. I need to look that up. Oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts about that. Oh, all uh, like on another level. Well, thank you so much for having me on.
0: Uh, hey, we are excited to talk with somebody who you know, and not just women in in, in uh, radio, but talking about politics specifically. And you know, my brother. So I have a. I'm I'm half Mexican, half Irish. I have uh, three siblings that are all Mexican, three that are all Irish, but that's not here. Or there, my brother is Mexican, Republican, and Mormon, and lives in Atlanta. And I think he might be the only one. If you could look him up and uh, see how, he, how his family is doing. Um, from what I understand, it seems like a fairly conservative area. Is that is that a good reading of, of Atlanta,
5: Georgia? Oh no, Patty! Now Atlanta is a blue dot. Is it like, really? If you're an in, absolutely if okay. you are an in town Atlanta, it is definitely not. Okay. Uh, what you think it is. It is super progressive, super <gasps> diverse. And now, if you're driving 10, 20, 30 miles outside the city, I, and even like in the burbs, you still have a lot of people that are Democrats. Uh, even it's, so now you're getting out to the F- where you're looking at the Forsyth counties where you're going way, way out there and even those demographics are changing. So that's why I think so many people just don't understand Georgia.
0: I agree, because I've even been there. And, and look, I only went there for probably about three or four days doing stand-up comedy. Uh, but I I, I I haven't spent enough time there. And we, we get this idea of what Southern politics are like. And you're right, it's like Austin, Texas, uh, you know, other parts of the country that have these blue dots in red states. In the North, we have uh, Madison, Wisconsin in the middle of Wisconsin. Uh, so, uh, fair point, because I, I, I just haven't been there enough, and I know you have this great podcast, Vote Her, with uh, with your friends Terry and Jen, uh, talking politics with a little bit of Southern sass. Tell us a little bit about how, how that connects with people and the response that you're getting from folks talking about these important issues.
5: Well, we all got together. I met Jen Jordan, who was a state senator, um, and she... She did run for attorney general of Georgia. Um, she did not win, unfortunately, but I will know that she got more votes than Stacey Abrams. Um, you know, as we know, Raphael Warnock did win and went into a runoff and is our Georgia U.S. senator. Carrie Olowitz is a state representative. And so we all came together. I actually found Jen because I saw and I encouraged everybody to look it up. If you look up Jen Jordan, it's spelled like Jordan. She did a speech on HB 41, which was the very restrictive abortion bill, the heartbeat bill that came about in 2017 in Georgia, and she gave this really passionate speech about why it was terrible. And this is before the Dobbs decision. So it was just, it rocked my world. I had reached out to her. We, As a media person, I was just wanted to volunteer my services to her as a, an elected official, because I think that's what we can do as it, when you want to get involved is to just put yourself out there and help. So we became friends. We started the podcast. When she was running for attorney general, she obviously couldn't be spending time doing the podcast for a variety of reasons. And Terry stepped in, and now the three of us do this together. We really talk politics from a woman's point of view. Listen, I am very open-minded to Republican ideas and Republican women running for office, but I can't deal with the total crazy of it. Like, I am the first one to say, and we will all say... That someone like Nikki Haley is a terrific candidate for Republicans. She is the ultimate brand, like rebrand for the Republican Party. Yeah. Think about that. If they have a suburban women problem here, they have this completely qualified candidate. She's smart. She's attractive. She's likable. I mean, she's got it all. I mean, listen, I'm not Team Nikki Haley on any any in any way, but I am saying she's got the goods. And they're not going with it. And it sort of blows our mind. You know, we'll talk about stuff like how I'm fascinated with who the person is who has to dress her every day. So we'll talk about that. (laughs) You know, a a dude running for office wears the same blue suit over and over again. She's got to have somebody, a stylist there every day, thinking about what color, thinking about what outfit. And and these ladies, Jen and Terry, will talk about how they do have to lay their outfits out every day before they would go into session, because it's one less thing to think about when they're making really, really tough decisions.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I've thought about that before. Like, what would I do? Like, what what's, what what style of clothing? Like, I think I would go steampunk and just have that be like my genre of being an unele- elected. <laughs> just, <laughs> well, like like Kirsten Cinema. Oh God, like, no! <laughs> yeah,
3: the jean <laughs> jacket off.
0: and like the fur collar. Yeah, you know. yeah, but it was literally I mean, yeah.
5: It's, it's, you know, it's something that it's, it is different for women, really, yeah. and that's kind of the angle that we take, and that's why I do think that Nikki Haley is such a great candidate, and it's such a shame to see that they're, I mean, the Republicans are wasting their energy on a criminal, on a cult leader, when they have somebody that truly, like, think about this. You have to think about this, Patty, like imagine like let's say she is the candidate and then Republicans can say forever, oh, we brought you the first female president. We don't have a woman problem. Look, look what we're bringing you. And um, so I think it'd be the ultimate rebrand. But obviously we know that's not going to happen.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, and I, by the way, I agree with you as far as uh, Nikki Haley goes Into your point that she is good for Republicans. If the Republicans would wake up and go, oh, wait, what did we used to talk about? It, it is, it, everything is so upside down and uh, there's a book called uh, Strangers in Their Own Land. It's a journalist went into parts of the South and tr- trying to understand why people repeatedly vote against their best interests and how much religion and tradition have so much to do with that. What would you say in Georgia? Is it it also a lot of this, uh, you know, this is what Jesus would want me to do and this is the way we've always done it kind of a mentality?
5: I think there's a lot of that, Patty. I think outside, just in like, in in just the southern states in general, you're going to get that. But again, inside the city of Atlanta and cities like Columbus and Savannah, I mean, you have, you have the black church, of course. Mm-hmm. But those are the people who are getting people and motivating people to vote. And these are progressive cities. But I would recommend Tim Alberta's book. It's the God and the glory. And it's just he's the journalist for The Atlantic who just talked about evangelicals. And it is just so fascinating because there is this divide. And I, and I would definitely say this exists in Georgia and other southern states honestly, all over the country on how when you're an evangelical, there's this split between worship, worshiping the the Trump as a God and then what they actually stand for. But Georgia is such an interesting state in that way, because even though, look, we have Ryan Kemp, who is a Republican governor and he's very popular and because He's a great politician because he fools people into believing, making people believe that he's moderate. And there were a ton of people that voted for Warnock and Kemp, you know, I mean, there's a lot of those people who just and to, to me, I can't even compute that because Kemp's position on reproductive rights is abhorrent. that the the end. (laughs) That's all I have to say. The end. Well, (laughs) you know, look, I think there's like, you know, I'm a one issue. That that is my one issue vote. You know, that is my thing. That is my hill to die on. And yeah, um, Yeah, I think for a lot of us it is. Yes. So I think that is just really why it's it's so bizarre in Georgia. And people are like, oh, it's a red state. It's a red state. And then there was all the, you know, look, the Stacey Abrams type, But, you know, she didn't stand a chance against Kemp. But then you have Ossoff and Warnock are two fabulous Democratic senators here.
0: Yeah, no, and thank God for that. I mean, I just remember those elections and just being so grateful that uh, they were able to carry it across the finish line because so much was riding on it. I mean, there's so much uh, of an uphill battle when it comes to, uh, look, the Supreme Court ultimately has so much control over what's going to happen next, uh, and I don't even want to get into that. I mean, you guys have uh, you know, the trials and and all the controversy surrounding D.A. Fannie Willis. Uh, Oh, yes.
5: uh, A lot of drama.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, of all all the things of all the the cases to have somebody who's going to decide to have a relationship. I just can't eat.
5: <laughs> oh my head hurts too much, Myra. Well, look. I mean, the thing is is that while it is not the greatest look, it is it, there is nothing that she's done that's been illegal, right? That's proved to be illegal. And look, the voters are going to decide. She's up for re-election, and that's and that's really what it comes down to. Uh, I don't think it, it it's a bummer because it can muddy the waters of what's really happening here. And what you have people like Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, those two election workers that you know that Rudy Giuliani now has to pay a lot of money to. Those are real people, and these are real consequences. And look, I mean, on our podcast, vote her Senator Jen when she was a senator was one of the people who had to testify when that clown car came into the Georgia Capitol with Rudy Giuliani Mm -hmm. and Jen had to testify in that. And look, I was there with her the day she opened her email box to a, you know, a Pandora's box full of crazy town of these people. She had to have security for this. So it's, it's, it's it what happened in georgia is truly insane but i also think there were outside forces that oh just, yeah it, uh, you know it, it's just it's it, it's just on another level but georgia is an interesting state i mean certainly we don't have a super majority like it's not like texas but it's not like what you have sexy Illinois? <laughs>
0: Sorry. Sorry. We uh, we, we I, I can't tell you how grateful I am to live in Illinois. Uh, <laughs> right. Because here I'll tell you when I when I was so I, I used to work at another radio station and I, we had a Republican governor who wanted to basically bust unions. Uh, you we know, wanted to turn this into a right to work state and was doing it at the expense of the of people who rely on services the most like disabled individuals and uh, the, our senior citizens and children for child care. It was it was really a mess. And I remember sitting in the in the press box because to your point, I know that you also on the Vote Her podcast uh, cover state politics in in the General Assembly of Georgia. But often don't you find that people don't realize how much happens in that state capital that affects them way more directly than what happens in the presidential race?
5: Oh, that's what's the thing that's so disappointing in people, because when I see and I really got a lesson in that spending time with Jen and Terry on my podcast, because it's getting in the weeds of that and also trying to be a Democrat and a Democratic woman when you're majority men, majority old white men. And they're just talking about women's repro- reproductive organs, like they don't—they don't even. Yeah. It's like they miss sex ed class, but it's also like. You know, someone like Terry Anulowicz, who's my partner on the podcast, is, is a Democrat, but she's very, she's Catholic. She's very religious. She's actually a pretty like conservative person as a Democrat. And she's one of these people who really tries to reach across the aisle and really is working for her constituents. And that's really what it's about. Like, you can look at a Marjorie Taylor Greene who's sadly, you know, representing Georgia. But at the end of the day, you have someone that is really reaching for clicks and reaching for interview hits on right-wing media when her constituents need her to do stuff. And that is really why you get in this job is to be of service. And that is what I think is something that's very disappointing about politics. Look, I've met so many great Republican uh, legislators, and that's also bummer about it. Is they'll be they'll be so nice to you behind the scenes, and they'll be like, "Oh, we know that abortion bill's terrible. Come on, don't worry, but we still love you. Don't worry. They're Ugh. never, you know, they're never gonna, <sighs> you know, but that's and but that's also like the worst part of it because behind the scenes they'll be nice and kind. And then they'll go ahead and vote for these terrible laws, or you know whether it's that or these horrible trans anti-trans stuff, or like they just—I just read today—they're trying to push another "don't say gay" in, in, in the Georgia uh, uh, session that's happening right now. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy, like absolutely bonkers. Um, and don't even get me started on the gun stuff, especially on a day like today. Right. It is just it's just it's just a lot. So, I you know, I just don't know where we go from here. I think I feel like I, I do see some hope from the New York special election that happened last right? night. Because, yeah, I do think that people are, are they're seeing a path. They're like, you know what? I just want somebody to be moderate and boring. And I'm good with that.
0: I agree. That's uh, been one of the most refreshing things about Joe Biden is not waking up every morning going, what did the guy say from his toilet at four in the morning?
5: I, yeah, I mean, I think that's that. But I think, you know, I also think, it. you know, he definitely does have a challenge. I have an 18-year-old son who's just like, I want to see hope. And they're just seeing an old dude on TikToks. And that's tough. Yeah,
0: tough. I, I agree. And uh, d- yeah, don't get me started on how my son, my son's 20 and how he feels about what's happening in Gaza and President Biden. So uh, we, there's a lot of work to be done. And I, I don't know what that looks like. We've been talking to Mayra Davis. You can find her uh, podcast. It's Vote Her Podcast on Apple on Tune. In you can go to mayra mayradavis and she's a Atlanta's media maven. We may have to reach out and uh, find out how we can learn more from her because I, I need help with content I, with uh, oh online social media Can't stuff. I'm a disaster. I'm a disaster when it comes to uh, getting yeah. <laughs> Jerry Jerry my, my collaborator and producer is like yeah could you get on like the TikTok do a video some I'll get into like well we'll talk about we'll talk about it sometime because I'll get into a string of doing videos every day and then it's like two months before I do another one but I'll I'll, I'll I
5: gotta figure it out. It's, it's, it's... Well, listen, we need more ladies on talk radio. It's dominated by the crazy right wing. Listen, I've always wanted to do uh, talk radio, and I, it's so dominated by men and hard right people. So, Patty, I appreciate you Aww. fighting a good fight and doing that and doing what you're doing because you're really. You know, a needle in a haystack, honestly. So keep it
0: up. You too. Well, we, we are going to talk more after that. Thank you. I, I adore every, I love your insight. I'm grateful for your time. And we will definitely talk to you again soon. Uh, my best to your colleagues on your podcast. Again, it's Vote Her Podcast. Find it on TuneIn, on Apple, uh, all the places you find the podcasts. And we'll talk to you again soon. Please, Mayra. Let's let's uh, touch base soon.
5: Patty, thank you so
0: much for having me. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Have a great evening. Happy Valentine's Day. Same to you. Sending you lots of love. Thank you. Oh, right back at you. Take care. You too. Let's take a break here. I know we've got uh, Matt on hold. If you want to call, we got a couple minutes left at the end of the show. 773-763-9278. We will be right back after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul.
9: I'm Kirk Banksett from the Minocqua Brewing Company and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can a percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time
0: now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and r and Wine and Spirits in Glenview as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly
1: Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820.
0: Hey, everybody. We, uh, whew, It feels like a, a, just a whirlwind of emotions today. Uh, some great conversations with some judges from DuPage County. Uh, it was really fantastic to meet, uh, Judge Setson, Judge Barron, and Judge, uh, Porter. Um, and then we, it just feels like a lot has happened. I haven't had a chance to talk to you guys that much. So let's talk to Matt in Chicago. Matt, hey, my friend. Thank you for hanging in there. I know you've been on hold for a while. What's on your mind?
7: I appreciate that. Hello, Patty. So, uh, first of all, uh, I do not have Uber passengers this time, although I am on my way to pick them up. But um, this is a this is a message to all of our Republican friends and all of our Democratic friends. This, this, this goes out to both parties. Now, I'm not saying that Biden actually did this. Or not, because I don't know. But I do know Trump did this, and I know Biden is being accused of this. So here's my message to all Democrats, Republicans, independents, Tea Party, or whatever other party you want to call yourself. Okay? If a piece of paper has the words confidential on it, don't take it home. Don't read it in the bathroom. Don't take it to the mailbox and look at it and then accidentally drop it. Don't move it out of whatever secure room that the piece of paper sits in. It is confidentially marked for a reason. Don't do that. Just stop.
0: (laughs) Everyone got that? Duly noted, everyone? Put it on a post-it if you have to. I don't care what it takes.
7: Yes, I I don't care if we need to put little... Like a remote alarm Matt, and say, everything, so you can find your keys and find
0: your documents. Stop what, moving them. What? So, can I ask? Was there news that I missed aside from the space wars thing that is a uh, it, it, it has been the catalyst for this energy you're bringing about confidential documents?
7: Well, I think. Well, I I have been trying to call a couple for a couple of days, but um, I think it was like Monday or maybe it was over the weekend that like the Republicans accused Biden of. Move, like taking something home, and then maybe they oh, maybe some random team found something in his garage. I don't know. Yeah, but it just it, it's marked confidential. Please, for the love of God, read it. Oh wait, I'm, I'm sorry. It. Don't move it. I'm sorry. No, I, I'm don't sorry. read it. It's <laughs> above your toilet. Don't read it. Just leave it alone. Uh, leave also, it alone. Yes. Sorry, I've been completely disconnected from the news today, other than um, the, uh, the, uh, shooting. the shooting. Shooting. Yeah. um Oh, so, what what's Spades Oh, yeah. Is going sorry, on? what did is, their is orange idiot do? No, you know
0: what? It's not even him. But it was. Hold on, let me look for the uh, trending. There was uh, something about something about. There's some intel. Hold on a second, because everyone's been uh, tweeting about space, space Force, right? The Space Force. I was uh, having lunch with my husband, and uh, the—let's uh, see. There was a, I'm trying to find—if anyone knows what happened today, because all the tweets are now making jokes about Space Force. They're saying—if what I, if I gather correctly from what I read, there's some intel that the Russians have developed some uh, weapon capabilities to attack from space.
7: Oh God! Sorry. Can we please? Can can we please 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 just focus on screwing up our planet on a ground level and not destroying everything else in the known universe? If you're going to shoot a missile at someone, shoot it from Earth. Don't shoot it from space.
0: Well, and it's just interesting. Because yes, exactly. Yeah. There's a, there's a we're we are a very we may look like a blue marble from up there, but uh, yeah, it's not great. We're a pretty big target.
7: Yeah, let's just put more junk in space. The amount of space junk that we've thrown up there is incalculable. You know, people, I'm not exactly an alien believer, even though I do believe that we're not completely alone in the universe. But, people, if if you ever wonder why they don't visit us, and if they have visited us, they don't make themselves known, maybe it's because we throw trash into the atmosphere. Yep. Throw trash into orbit. They can't get through all of our crap. That's the thing. We're clutter. We're, we're
0: we are littering, and the universe is angry. And I can't blame it. Have a great evening, Matt. I gotta I gotta wind down the show. Thank you. Take care. Right, good luck, Happy Valentine's Day. Bye, my love. Uh, thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us today. It was, as always, wonderful to have these conversations. Uh, Mike Crute is up next with Devil's Advocate, followed by Matt McNeil. And, of course, in the morning, Richard Chu with Chu's views. And then Stephanie
1: Miller, Tom Hartman, Jonas Pizzito. And then we'll be right back here at 5 o'clock. Thank you, Annie Miles. Have a great night.